two small, wonderful words. Two words. Two words. Two of the most wonderful words in all of the Bible are found in Ephesians chapter 2. Wonderful words right in the midst of some really dark words describing sinners like us. Just listen to these words. Here's who you really are. Paul writes, you don't need to turn there, just listen. In Ephesians chapter 2, about all of us, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too, all, formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature, by nature, children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Two words. Two of the most wonderful words of life. But God. But God. Right, Owen? Owen, guess what? I found a competitor. I found a competitor to those two words. Two other words. Just as wonderful as but God. It's found in our passage. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 5 as we continue our verse-by-verse exposition in the book of Luke and come now Luke chapter 5 and verse 12. This is one of my favorite passages. We will not do it justice this morning, but it is wonderful. May the Lord help us to see his glory in this passage. What a passage about the mercy and compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a passage, one of the clearest passages that forms a picture of our great salvation found in Jesus Christ that that forms a picture of what it means to be converted, truly converted to our Lord Jesus Christ. What a passage. But as I read, I want you to look for a couple of words that are competitors to the glory of those two wonderful words, but God. Verse 12 of Luke chapter 5. Follow along as I read and look for those words. While he, that's Jesus, okay, while he was in one of the cities, behold, Luke wants us to look at this passage, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face And implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he ordered him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But the news about him was spreading even farther 
and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. I am willing. Be cleansed. Two words in the Greek text. Two words. Two of the most wonderful words of life. But God, and now I am willing. Be cleansed. Brothers and sisters, there can't be any better news than this passage in front of us this morning. There can't be. There isn't. Needy sinners, needy sinners can be fully cleansed by a willing Savior. Is that not great news? This world needs to hear. Let me say it again. Needy sinners can be fully cleansed by the willing Savior. What a passage. I don't know how we're going to get through all of it, but we're going to do it. We're going to look at the story of the cleansing of the leper, and we're going to look at this as it unfolds right in, in front of our eyes with five, in five stages uh, of this cleansing, of this story of cleansing, which pictures our spiritual cleansing from sin when we were converted to Jesus Christ. Okay? That's what we're going to do. Number one, then, as we start this story, the need for cleansing the need for cleansing. This is, without a doubt, one of the most shocking scenes in all of the Bible. Let's read it again in verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, behold, there was a man covered with leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing... You can make me clean. You, I, we just can't grasp how bizarre this account is, how disturbing this account would have been to the Jews of that day, how revolting, how disgusting this account would have been, how horrific it would be for a man completely covered in leprosy to be anywhere near the living, let alone barely within the sound of their voice. And yet, here is a man covered in leprosy that is approaching Jesus Christ. He's heard about Jesus. He's looking for Jesus. Imagine his joy when he sees Jesus. This man is not particularly concerned about what Jesus' disciples must have thought, and they didn't like it. He's not particularly concerned about the fact that he probably shouldn't be there that close to the living. He's concerned about one thing, seeing Jesus, finding Jesus, because in Jesus, he's got something he's never had his whole life, a spark of hope, a spark of hope that this one would be able to help him. He believed that he would be able to help him, but he still was uncertain would he be willing? Would he be willing? Now, notice the man just doesn't have one little spot that the priest has to search all over for of leprosy. Ah, a little spot by your elbow. No, no. This man, the text says, is full. Key word. He's full of leprosy. Good translation. He's covered from head to toe with leprosy. This is an advanced, in-stage, hopeless case of one of the most horrific diseases known to mankind. 
leprosy. I'm a radiologist, a bone and joint radiologist, and I have seen the devastation of this disease studying for my board exams. Fingers are dissolved and toes. The extremities, your arms are all bent up. There's a wasting away of the muscles. There's disfigurement, a collapsing nose, folding skin, nerve destruction, a lack of sensation, a loss of feeling that leads to overuse and wearing down into a nub. There's a stinkiness and a putrefaction of the flesh with chronic infection. It is what one physician, Dr. Paul Brand called, describes this disease as, quotes, a painless hell, end quotes. Thankfully, we have a treatment for this disease in God's common grace now. So now it's very, very rare, but it wasn't back then. And this disease was was thought to be and was to some degree highly contagious. And we know a little bit today about diseases that are contagious that people fear. But I'll tell you, the Jews in the ancient Near East were terrorized by leprosy. In fact, the Old Testament, right, Brandon, had to address it. It was so, they had to speak of it, how to deal with leprosy if someone in the community came down with it. If they happened to get healed, how do you restore one back to the community? And you have to understand that it was the belief of the Jews, and it was absolutely true, there was no human cure for leprosy. None. If someone was cured and the priest goes, I can't believe it. You're cleansed. The priest had nothing to do with it. They were just observing it. They believed only God could heal leprosy in that day. God alone could do it. Listen to 2 Kings chapter 5 and verse 7. 2 Kings 5 and verse 7, where, he, where the, the guy says, Am I God? Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Do I look like God? Because that was the understanding. Only God could do this. Only a miracle from God. And this case was advanced. He was covered with it, mutilated from it. He stunk and he was dangerous. So that's the physical aspect. What was the plight? What, what was your life like if you were a leper in the ancient Near East in Israel? Well, Leviticus 13, verse 45, you can write the reference down, describes it. Just listen to Leviticus 13, 45. As for the leper who has the infection, His clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be uncovered. And he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean! Unclean! He shall remain unclean all the days, all the days that he has the infection. He is unclean. He is. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. A life of shame, a life of mourning, a life of stay away from me, a life of he shall live alone outside the camp of Israel. Unclean, I'm here. Unclean. There's a leper within shouting range. Cut off from society. Physically, it was horrible. What about emotionally? Poor, hungry, marginalized, socially disvalued. What about spiritually? The leper didn't need to be convinced that he was a sinner. 
the whole society told him that he was not only a sinner, because in that day, sin and disease were tightly connected together. And Jesus has to say, you know, some, sometimes sickness is for the glory of God, so God will be manifested. But in that day, they were stigmatized. They were outcasts. Boy, you must, what in the world did you do? You are a deviant to be covered with leprosy like this. Shamed. Because sickness was connected to sin. So if one suffered with leprosy, wow, they must be quite a sinner, rejected by their family and society, a beggar. Let me just pour it on here. One commentator notes it was illegal to greet a leper. Lepers were to remain at least 100 cubits away if they were upwind and four cubits away if they were downwind, giving that warning unclean. Josephus, the Jewish historian, summed it up, saying they were treated, quotes, as if they were, in effect, dead men, end quotes. They were already dead. And so this man didn't have just a little bit. He was completely covered in leprosy. He had all of this in full fury. No hope of healing, full of shame, full of sin in his mind and in the mind of everybody else, separated from society. And this, brothers and sisters, is given by Luke as a picture of every single one of us spiritually apart from Christ. Let it sink into your bones. This is who we are apart from Christ. We are spiritual lepers. Ceremonially unclean, even in the Old Testament, dealing with it, totally unclean. How much was he covered in leprosy? Blemora, full, full of leprosy, covered in leprosy, full of sin, covered in sin, through and through sinners. Listen, if you're here this morning and think that we are basically good, this passage assaults that, that mankind is basically good. That, no, no, this text says we are totally evil totally sinful, the theologians call it totally depraved, cut off from God, cut off from people, cursed, unclean, impure. And it's not just skin deep. It's a, it's a disease of sin that erodes and defiles and invades all of us. It covers us. We're full of it. Our mind is dark. Our heart is hard. Our will always chooses evil, completely depraved, covered from head to toe and top to bottom to thumb. All of us completely undone by our sin. I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to see this. Just keep your finger in Luke 5. Luke chap, uh, Go to Romans. Let's just page through Romans for a second. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. We've already got the Ephesians passage. That was not a great list before the but God that description of us. How about Romans chapter 1, verse 18? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. God reveals himself in the creation and the conscience, and we put down the truth. We live for ourselves. And look at this list. Look at verse 28. This is everybody. Verse 28 of Romans 1, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled, 
filled up, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. What does it look like to be full of sin? Turn over to Romans chapter 3. Paul is not done. Look at verse 9 of Romans chapter 3. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Because the Jews thought, that's not us. You're insulting me. To give and say that I'm part of that list? We have the oracles of God. We this and we that. And Paul says, no, no, you are all, Jew and Gentile, under sin. And then he quotes a psalm, Psalm 14. Look at it. This is who we are. This is spiritual leprosy, as it is written. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction, and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So Paul says, I'll tell you what, by the works of the law, no flesh, Jew or Gentile, will be justified in his sight. We are unclean, unclean. We are spiritual lepers, Paul says. Paul's not done. Go to Romans chapter 8. Well, at least I believed. At least I really. What does dead in trespasses mean? Flatlined spiritually. Romans chapter 8. Paul writes, verse 5, For those who are according to the flesh... Set their minds on the things of the flesh, Romans 8, verse 5. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Watch this, verse 6. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because, look at verse 7. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh, look at it, cannot please God. The Holy Spirit is trying to show us something. Luke is trying to show us we are covered by sin. We are spiritual lepers in God's sight. He's showing to show us we are in need of cleansing. It's a deep need. We can't even... Uh, I'll just do this for a while, and when I have done this, then I'll believe in Jesus. No! You can't! God must come to you in the day of his power and grant you that. You are dead in your sins. We are spiritual lepers through and through, unclean. Do we really know this about ourselves? Have we ever felt that, or are we still just trying to be more sincere than the next guy, more Sunday schooly and serving than the next person in the church, to commend ourselves before God. This leper knew nothing of that when he came to Jesus. He knew nothing of ability. He knew nothing of anything but hopelessness and helplessness. But the one who knew that, that's the one who sees in Jesus hope, That there is one who can break through the darkness. Basically good. Oh, my word. 
No, no, the need for cleansing. We are spiritual lepers. The second stage in this story of cleansing is the approach for cleansing. Watch this. So the, the leper's talking to himself. Who else is he talking to? The leper's talking to himself. Wow. I've got, they say that this one is connected to John the Baptist. They say this one can do amazing things. I've heard he's cast out demons. He healed back up at Capernaum. Could it be possible? Would he be willing to speak to me? The text says, could, by the way, could he be the promised one? Then the text says, then he saw Jesus. Do you remember when you first saw Jesus? Then he saw Jesus. And the text says, look at it. He saw Jesus, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He understands something about Jesus. He knows something about him. He falls on his face. He calls him Lord. Kurios, the same word that Peter uses when he saw the great miracle of the fish. He knows something about him. There's a deep humility of falling on his face. But isn't this weird about faith? This deep humility and brokenness. But this confidence, not in yourself, but this hope and confidence in another this expectancy in Jesus. He's sure of the power of Jesus, but he's not sure about the willingness of Jesus. I'm disgusting. No one wants anything to do with me. Are you going to be any different? His family had given up on him. The society had given up on him. The priests and the Pharisees had given up on him. Was there one who will not give up on me? The word implored means... Repetitively, he was begging. He was begging over and over again, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now listen, what a spiritual picture then of faith in Jesus. Faith is begging for help from Jesus. God does not help those who help themselves. God is not interested in coming along your skill and sincerity to put a cherry on the top of your self-salvation project. God does not come to the self-sufficient. God does not come to the proud. God delights in answering the prayer of spiritual beggars. Listen to me. It's only broken people who beg for God. It is. That's faith. And, and faith is not just this unclean leper in his head reading the Palestinian-Israeli daily newspaper reading the newspaper. There's a guy in Capernaum who casts, and he, he reads it, he understands the language of the Greek text, and he knows in his brain that it's possible. Yes, faith at least is that. Faith is not only him coming from four meters away and the day the wind is blowing the opposite direction to see if he can overhear and actually see Jesus heal someone. And then his heart and his emotions become convinced that Jesus indeed could do that. Faith is not just mentally assenting to the truth or, or even being emotionally convinced that Jesus can do that. It is that, but it's more. Saving faith is more. Saving faith says, I'm going for it. I'm all in. I'm done splitting the fence between two opinions. I'm in. That's what saving faith is. It's looking for Jesus. I'm going to open up my mouth and ask for help from Jesus. The culture around me is telling me to shut up. 
If you want to say something, you got two words in your vocabulary. Unclean. Unclean. I don't care what the culture says. I know the society says stay away. I'm not going to stay away from Jesus. I need Jesus. I need him in the worst way. Nothing will stop me. I'm going to him. And if he's willing, I know he can cleanse me. He's the only one. That's faith. That's saving faith. Faith doesn't only consider Jesus. Faith is not only convinced about Jesus. Faith commits to Jesus. Let me say that again. Faith not only considers Jesus. Faith not only is convinced about Jesus. Faith commits to Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you truly, by the Spirit, have been, it's been revealed to you that you are the spiritual leper in this passage because of your sin, then I'll tell you why. Nothing will keep you away from Jesus. Nothing, no one, will keep you away from Jesus. That is faith. Like one commentator said, what the approach of faith looks like, quotes, desperate, humbly, urgently, persistently trusting that he alone is able, end quotes. Listen, kids, listen, wake up. I get that you understand the Bible and that Jesus died for your sins right here. I even get that maybe you felt it from time to time. Are you in? Are you in? Have you seen your darkness and seen that he indeed is the only light that can shine in there, the very light of the world? Are you in? Have you come to Jesus for cleansing yet? Are you washed in his blood well, what happens if you come to him? Does he say, let me look at it for 40 years and see if you're good enough? See if you go to church enough? See if you really repented well enough or believe well enough? Throw that out. Forget believing well enough. Forget having your theology fixed out and figured out. Come to him. Just come to him. Stop trying to be someone before he'll accept you. That's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. Faith is when it doesn't work that way. And you get that it doesn't work that way. That's faith. This is what happened in this passage. If you come to Jesus, let's find out what happens. The third stage in our story of cleansing, the touch of cleansing. It's amazing. It's going to get even better. This passage, I might have to do part two. The touch of cleansing. Okay, Imagine it, moral imagine. We need our imaginations. Jesus and his disciples, the, the, the leper is coming. What? Does Jesus have a frown on his face and, and a folded arms? Does he take four steps back from the leper? Does he run from him? Does he plug his nose at the chronic infectious Disease, the stink. Does he keep his distance? Is Jesus willing to cleanse him? Look at the text. He stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. Aren't these some of the most beautiful words in Scripture? It's two words. Jesus says to him, Thelo, Katharidzai, I'm willing. Be cleansed. He stretched out his hand and touched him. Word for stretched out doesn't mean he reluctantly jabbed at him. No, it's translated fervently, how we love each other. Did you know that? It's a stretching out for others at great cost to yourself. That's the word fervent. This is the word stretched out. It's as if 
he just he went after him. He laid his hands on him. He approached him with an earnestness, with a love, with a pity, with a compassion. He stretched out his hand and did the unthinkable. He touched him. He actually touched a leper. Well, that's not great for your ministry. It doesn't like bring a crowd now that he's contaminated, infected. Jesus would have to quarantine. His ministry would be effectively over at the beginning. Great. Get outside, get away from the people. Jesus then religiously at that moment was ceremonially unclean. Can you imagine the shock of the onlookers? Disciples are saying, we just got into this yesterday. We just decided to follow you, and now this? Next day? The shock of it. But don't worry about the crowd. Let's worry about us and the leper. What would the leper have felt? Brothers and sisters, this man may not have been touched by any living human being for decades. Decades without a touch. Jesus could have healed him with a word. What is he communicating with the touch? His love, his care, his compassion. He wants this man to know something. That Not only that, I am willing. No, no, not here. To know that he's loved and he's willing. And so for us, Jesus is willing to touch us. We should be shocked by this. Let me say that again. We ought to be shocked by it. He's willing to save me after what I've done, after who I am. Jesus should have been contaminated, but he was not. He was the Holy One of God, sinless and pure. There's so much going on with the touch of Jesus. In the Old Testament, the sinner, the Israelite sinner, would lay his hands on the head of the pure burnt offering, and the throat of that pure animal would be cut as if his impurities of that man went upon that lamb, that beast, and that beast died in the place of the sinner through touch. Jesus reached out and touched him. He laid his hand on him. Was Jesus contaminated by that touch? There was a sense in which Jesus was contaminated, right? By the touch of the leopard. For at the cross of Calvary, that leper's sin was not swept under the rug. But in a sense, symbolically on that day, the sin of the leper would go to Jesus as he reached out his hand and touched him. All of his sin, full sin, the covering of all of our sin, listen, was placed upon our Lord Jesus Christ when he went to the cross of Calvary. All of it. Jesus watch this, was contaminated, not in his person and nature, but he took upon our sin and became in the sight of the Father contaminated in our place so that we could be cleansed. Now understand that when we're sinful, we know how bad sin is, all that disobedience to parents talk, I'll tell you, it's so bad that the right amount of punishment for it is eternal damnation away from the presence of God forever. That that's not a big stick. That's just the right stick. We don't get sin. We have no idea what a sin against the thrice holy God, living for ourselves, how bad it really is. If that's justice... Jesus, now watch this, in six hours, 
in his own body as a human being on the cross of Calvary. As it were, the great exchange took place. He laid his hands. All of our sin, past, present, and future, all of it was laid upon the sinless one. He became sin. He was made sin in our place so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And that means this, that for six hours, whatever eternal damnation is for all who would ever believe, whatever that is, However bad that was, in six hours, it was folded up, it was wrapped up and poured out upon Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. And he experienced in his own body the white, hot, eternal wrath of God. He experienced the full leprosy and the punishment for that sin in six hours. Now watch this. How am I sure about this? He was shamed like the leper with the crown of thorns and the nakedness and the beating and the mocking. Where was the cross? Was it in city limits? No, it was outside at the place of the skull. Where did the leper have to go? Outside the camp. Where did Jesus suffer? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Jesus touched him, showed his heart of love, but it pictured, brothers and sisters, the ultimate cleansing at the cross, the great exchange of the gospel. Let me tell you, I know life is hard, and I know you have one foot in and one foot out, but listen to me, is Jesus willing to cleanse you? Yes, he is. Evidence, the cross of Calvary. Is Jesus willing to cleanse you? Yes, he is. Evidence, it is finished. Is Jesus able to cleanse you? Yes, he is. Evidence, he finished it by rising from the grave. This is not an old fable from the past. He's alive. He speaks today, Thaleo, Katharise, to all who would come to him. I am willing to be cleansed. He's alive. Come to him. He's still willing. His blood avails for you today. See him. Fall at his feet. Implore him to save you, and he will touch you, and he will make you clean. Now, let's look at the fourth stage in the story of our cleansing, and the last two will go quickly. The renewal from cleansing. What happens next? The renewal from cleansing. Now, watch this. Was it a partial? How long did it take for his cleansing? The text says immediately. Do you have to wait 40 years for Jesus to weigh as good and as bad, do a little bit more purging and purgatory before he gets the job done himself? No. Immediately was cleansed. This is full forgiveness. This is right now how much of his leprosy was gone. He was full of it. And it's all gone. It's all gone. Immediate forgiveness. Full forgiveness at the moment of faith. Listen, brothers and sisters, those who are on the fence, cleansing from Jesus is full and final and forever. You don't earn it over time. It's not partial, it's full. And here is the truth. Your sin is all gone. It has left you in Christ. It has been removed as far as the east is from the west. The hymn writers over the years have written about it. We sung about it today. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Or, as William Cooper said in his great hymn, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. There is full forgiveness. There's renewal and full forgiveness and cleansing through the blood of Christ. 
So there's the need for cleansing, our total depravity. There's the approach for cleansing, faith. There's the touch of cleansing, a willingness. There's a renewal from cleansing, full forgiveness. And lastly, the fifth sequential stage in the story of cleansing, there's a fellowship from cleansing. Don't read past verses 14 through 16 in this account. We'll have to end here, see what I can do in the last few minutes. Lord, help us to see this. Please, the fellowship from cleansing. We read past this, verse 14, and he ordered him to tell no one. Watch this, Jesus said, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, just as Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And Jesus is referring to Leviticus chapter 14 in our scripture reading. You see, this one has been cleansed, am I right? And he was supposed, a cleansed one in Israel under the law would go show yourself to the priest right? And see, is it real? Is he really cleansed? And then he would be brought back into society. So here's what happens in Leviticus 14. Let's just listen. The priest is to go outside the camp and take a look. Take a look-see. Is it really gone? This man covered in it? The priest doesn't do the healing. Who does the healing? God does. Only God in that culture could heal leprosy. The priest just confirms it. Wow, you are clean. God alone can heal the leper. So after the priest takes a look, the priest orders the healed individual to take two live, clean birds. And so you got two birds. They're both live for a while. You got a scarlet string. You got hyssop and a little bit of wood. And that sort of is constructed into a paintbrush, a sacrificial paintbrush. Why do you think this, the thread was scarlet? So one of those birds is slain. The blood pours out with running water. And that contraption, right, is dipped in the blood. And seven times he sprinkles that blood over to the one who is to be cleansed from the leprosy. And he shall be pronounced clean. The live bird gets, after he's pronounced after seven times, gets to be released over the open fields. He's free. It's a picture, brothers and sisters, of cleansing. What does the number seven mean? It's a picture of fullness, of completeness. Yes, the leprosy was complete and full, but so is the cleansing that Jesus offered. Seven times he was sprinkled. The number of fullness and completion. So the one who is cleansed, according to verse 8 of chapter 14, he may enter the camp. He may enter the camp. He's got seven days of waiting to see if it's real. On the eighth day, he himself has to take two male lambs, the the one who would enter the camp without defect, a ewe lamb without defect, defect, two lambs, one a guilt offering, one a sin offering, and then the priest takes the blood and puts it on the lobe of the right ear, on the thumb of the right hand, and the big toe of the right foot. Why? Because you're dirty in sin from the head to the toe, and as far from the left to the right as you can get in your body. Cleansed, cleansed, cleansed. Your whole body is cleansed, full times, seven times, and you're free. Now let's do it again. It's your sin I'm talking about here. That's the problem. We need a sin offering. But it's your whole body that is defiled. Your whole body is cleansed by the blood. All of you is cleansed. And afterward, he may enter the camp. Back to fellowship with society. Back to fellowship with his friends. Back to fellowship in the synagogue. And most importantly, back to fellowship with God. Full reconciliation is in this passage. The fruit of forgiveness is fellowship with others and fellowship with God. The fruit of covering of your sin is communion with others and communion with God. Cleansing leads to communion. And this poor guy, he can't keep a lid on it. I mean, I understand him. He hasn't talked to people except for a pretty short vocabulary of unclean, unclean in decades. He's got some words. He's back to his family. He can't stop talking about Jesus. 
Look at the text in verse 16. Or in verse 15. I've got to get to it here in Luke 5. It says, But the news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses because he's, he's speaking out of joy. He's been restored back. I mean, unclean, unclean wasn't a good conversation starter, but he's got a story to tell right now about this one called Jesus, and he's restored back to fellowship. But the most important aspect of his reconciliation that day is being restored to God by Jesus. He's back into fellowship. He's back into fellowship. Now, I think it's in the text in Leviticus 14.11. He's to be presented before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Can you imagine that day when the clean leper, he's put right in the front of the door of the temple. He's being presented back in fellowship with God. He's clean. And so also we through the cross are brought, as it were, through the veil and presented to Jesus in full fellowship, not only with our fellow man, but with God himself. And so that's why this passage about Jesus and his communion with the Father is here. In verse 16, it's not to give us a lesson on prayer. We've done that, and there is a lesson in prayer here. But the point here is this, that in verse 16, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. The the gospel is not to be cleansed of your sin and then just live your life. When you are cleansed from your sin, you're brought into communion with God and communion with others. Forgiveness leads to fellowship, and so also Jesus, the real man, the ultimate man, the clean one, lived in perfect communion with his heavenly Father and sought him out to pray. Full fellowship with God. This is the doctrine of reconciliation here in Luke chapter 5. You say it's not full-fledged. Of course it's not. It's a gospel. It's a seed that Paul will expand in his letters. Fellowship and reconciliation is the fruit of forgiveness is right here. God cleansed us, brothers and sisters, to commune with us. Let me say it this way. God cleansed us as sinners so that we might commune with him as sons and daughters at his table. Is that not a great gospel? Who are those around us that are unclean? That we're scared at GCBC to touch? Who are they? Ask yourself this, would Jesus touch them? Why won't we? Listen, are we willing to touch them? May it be so. May we touch them by telling them. Let me say that again. May we touch them by telling them there is one who is still alive and well and is still saying, I am willing. Be clean. Be clean. 